It's nice to have you tune in to your favorite radio talk show, Nasco Moments Radio Show this morning. The program is powered by your household products provider, Nasco Group, Nigeria. Do you know where your children are at the moment? Nigeria has made several efforts to ensure the participation of women in governance issues through the adoption and creation of some institutions that will facilitate the full participation of women in governance. For instance, in 1985, Nigeria ratified the Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women. The country also adopted the 1985 Beijing Platform of Action and signed the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, International Covenant on Economic, Social and Cultural Rights, the African Charter on People's Rights, the Protocol on the Rights of Women in Africa, also known as the Maputo Protocol. Even with the affirmative action of 35% representation of women in political and non-elective positions in Nigeria, the number of women in the legislative houses is not encouraging. From 1999 till date, no woman has been vice president of Nigeria, not to talk about being president. However, in the recent primaries of political parties in Nigeria, some women emerged presidential candidates of their respective parties. Can this then be said to be a sign of better things to come? Why is it important to take gender concerns into governance? What are the challenges to gender equality in governance and what is the way forward? These and lots of other questions are what we will be attempting to answer as we discuss gender equality and governance in Nigeria on your favorite talk show, Nasco Moments Radio Show. On the show today is Dr. Mrs. Plansat Dayu the Coordinator, Center for Gender and Women's Studies, University of Jos. I'm Hudugia. We'll be right back. Ah, ah, Mama Shakara. Eh? This your shabby city shine on. <laughs> and now don't fit. How manage? Ah, my sister. Now, Brightex white detergent, oh. Brightex detergent, not the fade cloth at all at all. And if they wash clothes clean, well, well, it gets power to come out all the nyama nyama stain and dirty no matter how it be. You not go chop and soap? No. You know the chop handle, and it's good for washing machine too. Eh? Hmm. Mama Shakara, me too now. Bright text detergent I go to use to wash all my clothes now, so that I go to shine, shine and scent, scent and make Shakara like you so. <laughs> bright text white detergent, a quality product from NASCO. For your brightest wash, bright text. Bright text for the brightest wash. Doctor Mrs. Plank Saturday, welcome to the NASCO Moment Show. Thank you very much. Right. So, what is gender equality all about? Good morning, listeners. Uh, gender equality. Before I define that, I would want to differentiate between gender and sex, because often there's this confusion between gender and sex. Sex, we know, is a biological function and is genetical, while gender itself is a pro- is programmed through social norms and culture. So when you're talking about gender equality, you're talking about socially constructed identities, attitudes and roles for women and men. And these roles are predicated on sex. So when you're male or you're female, particular identity is given to you to act like a male and to act like female. So gender equality is a state in which access to rights, opportunities and privileges affect men and women the same. So that's equality. So, but if this inequality this time around, it affects them differently. That's disproportionately. So when you have equality between men and women in terms of access, in terms of equal opportunities, in terms of treatment, 
in terms of freedom without any hindrance then you can say yes you are achieving equality okay now what is the difference between gender equality and women empowerment well gender equality like i just mentioned uh, refers to the interpretation of society given to different sexes either male or female the state of being male and the state of being female the value and identity given to these different sexes are formed through social learning that's the difference because you learn gender roles you hardly learn sex roles these are physiological they are biological they are more or less fixed but for gender roles they vary they change according to time and place and they differ now empowerment is a process of emancipation from the world itself in which the disadvantaged group whether it is men whether it is women whether it is youths whether it is the disabled this particular group are able to have access to resources are able to participate actively in the process of shaping society and also in decision making so empowerment itself implies increase in capacity to act on issues that affect one as individual and also that affect the community in which we live in so why is it important to take gender issues into governance enabling women to participate fully in the system whether economic system political system cultural system or social system is key to building very strong institutions it's also very important to know that you cannot talk about politics and democracy without talking about the participation of almost everybody in the society so it is important to take into cognizance that when you don't have gender equality you cannot be seen to be practicing true democracy because democracy itself cannot be blind to gender equality So democracy is inclusiveness it's about participation and so gender equality itself is also about inclusivity it's also about participation it's about access it's about joint decision making so it is very very important to improve uh the society and to improve governance through promoting uh gender equality now Nigeria has adopted several protocols and conventions on gender equality to what extent have uh, these impacted on women participation in governance and also in decision making actually this question i was just wondering and trying to take a sense of what we have achieved so far nigeria has adopted many of these protocols there are signatories to it like the sidao the beijing you know about the african union protocol on human and people's rights nigeria is also they have also their local laws and policies for example we have the ethnic gender policy we have the national gender policy itself we have violence against persons provision act all these ones are steps towards progress but then the issue now is not about having these laws because laws in themselves do not empower laws are just like paper but then you need to give them value you need to practicalize them so what i would say at the moment is that we haven't really achieved much because if you look at statistics looking at the number of women in governance and based on the number of policies we have adopted over time you see that there's no value in terms of increasing women's participation in politics you take not to say for example I think the last time i checked we only have one female uh in the house of assembly it's complete somersault from having 3 4 to now going back to having just one So I think there's a big gap you know if you take for example in Rwanda 
I know that after the crisis, they've adopted certain laws. They've given power to women. You know, they ensure that the constitution itself has the power to empower women. And you can see the participation of women in Rwandan politics grew from a mere 30% affirmative action to almost 50 to 58%. So you're having women dominating the, uh, the political space in Rwanda. Compared to another African country like ours, where the 30% affirmative action does not translate to increase or the visibility of women in politics and governance. Okay, so we'll talk about these problems and challenges in just a moment. This is the Nasco Moments radio talk show. There's so much more to talk about. Please join us again. Now fortified with essential vitamins and minerals. Nasco Conflicts, nourishing goodness anytime. You're welcome back. This is Nasco Moment Show on Radio. Our guest today is Dr. And Mrs. Planksat Dayu, the coordinator, Center for Gender and Women's Studies, University of Jos. We are discussing gender equality and governance. In Nigeria. Now we had started talking about the challenges before we went on break. Um, can you tell us some more of the challenges uh, hindering the attainment of gender equality in governance in Nigeria? Well, one that stands for me prominently is the normalization of violence against women. You know, uh, normalization of violence in Nigeria, especially men violating women or girls, as the case may be, is becoming a very normal thing. You know, when violence becomes normal, it means people internalize it, people practice it, and then they don't see anything wrong when they go against this, or maybe they act in a very violent way. So, I mean, in psychology, they'll call it uh, psychiatric brutalization, a situation where you accept violence as normal. You're not even conscious of the fact that you're violating somebody or you're acting in a very violent way. So you find that very, very common. It is very dehumanizing. You find that in politics, you find that in governance, where people are violated and it looks like it is very normal. It is part of governance and people have to be rude. People have to act in very irrational way and then people take it. And then you see even discussions going on in social media, people rationalizing violence, acts of violence. So it has become very normal. Part of the trouble also with the attainment of challenges with gender equality is also our religion, the place of women in religion. You know, if you read some portions of uh, the religious books, it will tell you that uh, women are supposed to study quietly the presence of men, they are not supposed to be seen or heard of, and so that is translated into the society. So we have not been able to differentiate between what religious practices are and actually what governance precisely is supposed to be. So everybody just thinks, okay, women are not supposed to participate, women are not supposed to talk. So what place do women have in governance? There's this very popular common saying in Hausa. Sorry, I'll have to use that. It says, Kalabisa rauna. It means a scarf amidst turbans, you know. So it's like just trying to tell you that what business has a scarf to do amidst 
people of royalty. That's amid men, amid men. That's amid leadership. Women are not supposed to be seen openly. They are not supposed to be heard. Women are private property, and they are supposed to act very uh, privately. Uh, one of the challenges also I can say is the incapacity of the government itself to implement gender equality laws. I'm sure you mentioned them and I mentioned a few of them. That these laws in themselves exist, but government's ability and capacity to implement them, to monitor them, to ensure that they've been implemented by the different arms that are responsible for the implementation is completely missing. Is it the ability or the willingness? Well, they are both, it's both ways, both ability and willingness. You need, most of them are not even conscious of these things. And they, need to, they need to build their capacity. So it means there's need for training. As soon as you come into governance, or you intend to go into governance, you're supposed to read everything that concerns inclusivity and equity. Now, if you're not aware of these things, you think implementing such policies is just favoring a particular segment of the society unnecessarily. So you can see that they lack the capacity in that manner, you know. So that's the context with which I'm talking about. Um, there's another issue that links closely to looking at leadership as masculine. It's like there are certain characteristics that leaders exhibit that are supposed to be male and then it is equal to leadership. And there are certain characteristics that women exhibit that are female-like, that are nurturing, are supposed to be at home. So this belief about leadership characteristics being masculine also affects the ability of men and sometimes some women to accept leadership responsibilities. Uh, there's so much to uh, contend with in this country. Now in, in Nigeria, where culture and tradition play a critical role in the lives of the people, how can we create an understanding that women equality and empowerment will actually benefit the nation. You see, we live in a society where a male child is celebrated. When, when, in the past, when women give birth and you hear shouts of joy, just know that it's a male child. And as soon as you ask, they'll tell you it's a soldier. When a woman gives birth and everywhere is quiet, you have to ask. What did she give birth to? They'll say, well, she gave birth to herself. <laughs> like, she reproduced another dependent, you know, another woman, another second-class citizen. No, these kinds of discussions permeate, and this has to do with culture. Because far in the past, ownership has to do with a male child, it has to be your, your ownership of land, farming, and co. depends on your ability to own, to have a male child. The male child inherits from the father and then generations continue like that. But you see, in recent times, whether you have a male child or a female child, for as long as you're economically capable, you can also acquire land. You can also acquire property. There's no law that prohibits any gender from owning land or acquiring such properties. So these boundaries are beginning to shift. So it means we need to reform even our own culture itself. We need to think deeply about some of the practices that hinder the girl child from having the confidence to participate. One of such is, you know, violence against the girl child right from the household, female genital mutilation issues, male preferences, and sometimes you notice that uh, when a ch male child does something wrong, the punishment might even differ. You know, it's even worse when the male child is an only child. You dare not talk to such a child, you know. 
this kind of preferences. So it discourages right from childhood. The girl child is not prepared for leadership. She lacks the confidence over time. She's been brought down over time. She's been told she's not capable. She's been told her place is in the home. The male child has been told her, well, don't cry, you are a man. You have to be strong. So over time, they've been prepared for leadership and they begin to imbibe these cultures and normalize it. And when they come to the society, you see them practicing it. So it's difficult for you to draw a line between culture itself and even practice in formal spaces. There are people beginning to understand that um, women can also uh, contribute to society. Well, I think there's a lot of understanding going on. Mm. Well, the fact that me and you are seated here shows that there's some breakthrough. Okay. And the poverty in the society itself, indirectly, is making these things a reality. When another neighbor sees a female child providing for the society, or a wife providing for her household, the same neighbor wants also his daughter or his wife to go out and also provide. So gradually these things, but these are very little steps that are gradually yielding fruits, but more needs to be done. Mm. All right. This is the Nasco Moment Show on radio. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're not through yet. We'll be back right after this break. Ever since I discovered the secret of Brightex white detergent, my clothes come fresh, bright and clean always. It's mild on clothes and good for my washing machine. Thank you, Brightex. Brightex detergent cleans deep stains and dirt from your clothes, keeping it fresh and bright so your clothes don't fade. It lasts longer. Brightex white detergent, a quality product from NASCO. Take the Brightex advantage today and keep your clothes fresh, bright and clean. For your brightest wash, Brightex. Brightex, for the brightest wash. Glad to be back. It's the Nasco Moment Show on radio. Our conversation for today is on gender equality and governance in Nigeria. Our guest, Dr. Mrs. Plangsat Dayil, the coordinator, Center for Gender and Women's Studies, University of Joss, has been sharing her thoughts and perspectives on the topic. Now, can you tell us what are some of the things that should be done to ensure increased participation of women in governance? Uh, well, one of them would be to continue to sensitize both men and women. And I think the media has a very important role to play. I'm sure it should be the backbone of this crusade for women in parliament. Like in terms of the kinds of programs they present, even some of the talk shows they present. You know in the past, you only see women in the media in terms of objects of beauty when you want to talk about beauty, when you want to sell a product, even when it does not relate to women, you see a car and you see a lady standing by the side. Anything you're trying to advertise. So this objectification of women has to stop. We should begin to portray women as leaders, women as co-contributors in governance and development. <coughs> we need to do a lot of sensitization campaign, beginning with men themselves, telling them to believe in themselves, telling them that they have a place and they have a role to play in this society. We cannot afford to keep close to half of the nation's population in bondage and then believe that the society is going to run as normal. No, it's not possible. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody can contribute. It's just like running a family. You can imagine when you wake up and half of the children are just sleeping. Only one or two are walking all through. Then those who are walking will definitely get tired. 
and they will get aggressive. Then those who are sleeping all the time will become perpetually lazy. That's what is happening. So you begin to see women not participating, not because they don't have the ability, but over time they've been socialized to believe that, no, this space is not your space. And so you don't need to get close. There is a school of thought that women themselves uh, are their own worst enemies. Uh, when it comes to voting and decision-making, they tend to side with the men. Is this assertion true? I would say emphatically a big no. Women are not enemies to themselves. Women can work well with each other. I mean, if you look at how they cooperate very well in market, if you look at cooperative societies, women are very good at that. Various caucuses, women are good. Name all the committees you can think of. Women have successfully run all these groups. Now, when it comes to politics and governance, there is need for women to be properly coordinated. They need to know the power they have in exercising all these groups. And they need to link up one group to the other and then translate this power into politics. So it's not that women are against themselves. As a matter of fact, over time I've discovered that the easiest people and set of people to work with are the women. That is why the men cannot even succeed politically without going through these women groups. They become their mobilizers. They use them for campaigns. They use them to talk to people. They use them to lobby. But when it comes to giving them appointments in decision-making positions, then they begin to bring this slogan, which says women themselves are enemies to themselves. I think that is completely wrong. And I will plead that the media does not even replicate and reproduce this slogan. So the media itself should be able to spearhead the empowerment of women through ensuring that even the rhetorics going out daily are changed. What can you say uh, are the legal frameworks that have been put in place to protect women against discrimination and other forms of violence? Well, the Nigerian constitution is our starting point. I think the 1999 constitution subsection 42 and 43 guarantees um, equal rights for all citizens, irrespective of your gender. Section 43 also guarantees the fact that you can own property anywhere, whether you're man or woman. These ones are provisions in our 1999 constitution. We also have recently the Violence Against Persons Prohibition, Prohibition Act. This is a legal uh, framework. We have the INEC Gender Policy, where women can use as an instrument, as an entry point into political parties. These are laws that have been put in place to ensure inclusivity of almost everybody, whether you're man or woman. But like we said and mentioned earlier, challenges still abound. You have lots of international conventions there are also instruments we can also use to talk about uh, women's status. And there are several NGOs that are working to ensure that women themselves achieve some level of equality and then they can seek redress. FIDA, for example, is spearheading a lot of this. You know, they intentionally ensure that they become voices for people who have been, uh, for people whose rights have been trampled upon. You can seek redress with them, sometimes for even free. You know, you have several NGOs like RAPA, I know the Baba for Women Human Rights, and so many others. So, all these ones, they are bound. 
we don't lack policies, we don't lack laws, we don't lack uh, non-governmental organizations or CSOs who are working in this area. But like I said, the capacity and then you mentioned the willpower. Hmm. All these are lacking. Hmm. Implementation is certainly very important. What final words do you have to say on the matter as we go? Okay, well, gender equality itself is the cornerstone of inclusive growth. We should all know that. Governance cannot afford to be gender blind. Nigeria cannot afford to keep half of its population out of government. It is against international conventions, it is against inclusivity, it is against growth. And you know when you empower a woman, you are empowering a family and you are empowering the entire nation. I'm also trying to say that if you notice, if women are educated, their families do better. So even in terms of the growth of the child. So my final word here is that government itself should utilize the full potential of women and ensure that everybody has a say in governance. Okay. I've been speaking this morning with Dr. Mrs. Planksat Dayu, the coordinator of Center for Gender and Women's Studies, University of Jos, on gender equality and governance in Nigeria. I have no doubt that the answers that you have heard have been of benefit and that you will strive towards an egalitarian society where more women sit at the decision-making table. Thank you very much for being here with us today. Uh, listener, you can follow this program on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash NASCO group or on Twitter using the handle at NASCO group. You can freely send your feedback on any aspect of the NASCO Moments radio show to the email info at nasco.net or by text through the dedicated care line 0805-774-7777. The NASCO Moments trivia question segment is here. Tell us. When was the Nigerian Naira introduced and in what denominations was it printed? Send the correct answer via text to 0805-774-7777 and include your name and location. The NASCO Moments radio talk show has been brought to you by NASCO and it was created by Unimark Limited Marketing Communications Consultants, Executive Producers, NASCO Marketing Department, Producer Harun Audu, Research and Content Development, George Palm, Surano Megadi, and Harun Audu. Production Coordinators, Solomon Audu, Surano Megadi, and Malo Silvanus. My name is Hudun Gyang. Thank you for listening.